one, and we're live. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, how do you pronounce your name correctly? Yadira. Yadira. Wow. Oh, close, close. That close. was close. All right. One more time. <laughs> Yadira. Oh, no. Yadira. Yadira. <laughs> Okay, so tell me what you do. Well, I'm a mental health therapist, so oh, wow. technically marriage and family therapy. Okay. Yeah. And how long have you been doing that for? About five years, going on six. Oh, wow. Yeah. And as far as schooling, how, how long did that take? Ugh. Well, it was, so after I graduated from high school, I went to UC Riverside for four years. Okay. Um, where I got my bachelor's degree in psychology. And then I took a year, like a break, because I wasn't really ready for graduate school yet. Um, and I took some time to kind of get my life together, okay. <laughs> figure out what I wanted to do. And then I did two years, uh, for my master's degree out here at San Diego state. San Diego state. And what actually made you want to go that route? Um, I feel like the field of psychology was also always really, really interesting to me, but mm-hmm. I didn't really want to do research. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I actually met a psychologist that was a friend of my dad's. And he kind of sat me down and said, hey, I think you'd be really great for this. And in my mind, I was kind of like, couples therapy? That sounds terrible. (laughs) I do not want to sit there and listen to people's problems all day. And then I realized, oh, that's exactly what I want to do. (laughs) So, yeah, I just really wanted to help people. And I realized that I really enjoy just sitting and talking to someone and hearing their story. And it's just really rewarding to, you know, get to look back on progress that they've made and to be a part of that process. So... Mm That kind of made me fall in love with it. Okay. And as far as taking classes up there in Riverside, you said you took time off. Why why was that? Yeah. My grades were trash. Ah. I was actually actually really bad um, at taking tests. And so my GPA was not that great. I was never good at taking tests. I always struggled to focus. And I also felt like a lot of pressure from my parents to go into a doctorate program. And I just felt like it was really overwhelming. And I just didn't know what came next because I didn't really have a whole lot of guidance there. Um, I was actually told I wouldn't graduate with psychology and then I couldn't make it into grad school. Um, So there was just like a lot of really discouraging conversation. And um, yeah, so that kind of, it it helped me pause and really figure out out. if I could do it and what were my options, I guess. And I guess for me to ask, um, was there an easy transition? Because it's a doctrine field and then psychology, is there... Yeah. Were the credits transferable or would you, did you have to start back from square zero? No. So the way it works is that you get your degree and you need a degree, a bachelor's degree in order to either apply to your master's or to your doctorate. The doctorate is anywhere from five to 10 years and your master's is two to three years. Holy hell. Yeah. And so they're two different degrees. Um, one is higher than the other. But for what I wanted to do, which is therapy, you could just have a master's degree and like i said i just wasn't ready for the longer one i wasn't ready to commit that much time so the master's degree would just fit my needs better i felt like and i could also imagine all that stress again like those late nights those testings that you're taking Mm -hmm. how hard were the tests if you don't mind me asking so once i got to grad school it was actually completely different because it was a like i was learning what i was passionate about already and what was interesting so it actually was easier than my undergraduate the first four years Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of it was more of like conversations with my classmates and really diving deep into our own personal issues because 
the way that they saw it in our program was you can't help other people if you haven't dealt with your own emotional issues. So it was more emotionally difficult than academically, if that makes sense. And when did you learn to separate that emotional differences from others or I guess <laughs> like accept it for what it is? I'm still learning how to do that. Yeah, there are actually days where I'm still in therapy and I'm still thinking like, oh my God, all right, this is coming up for me or I'm getting kind of triggered. And then there's like a whole process. They teach you how to deal with it. They teach you to notice it and mm -hmm. then to take care of yourself by either going to therapy yourself or really figuring out how to cope with it and put it aside and realize that that is separate from whatever's going on with your client. And it's about your client, not about whatever you're going through in that moment. Uh -huh. But you still have to take care of yourself just in your own way, I guess. Okay. And do you ever get like um, people telling you like, why, why do I, why do I need to go to therapy? And I, I don't believe in therapists. Like, they don't even yeah. help out. They're just mm -hmm. there to hear, to listen, and get your money. Yeah, absolutely. You mean like in my field or just in yeah, general? Yeah, just in like, for example, like my, my quote unquote, I'm just going to use me. Yeah. Um, people told me I should go to therapists, but I'm like, uh, I don't really believe yeah. in that. What yeah. Do you, what do you, yeah, what do I you get that, that a lot, actually. Um, I think especially coming from, so I'm Mexican. I was born in the United States, so, so Mexican-American, more Chicana, you know? Yeah. And I really grew up in that culture where if you go to therapy, you're seen as crazy. Yeah. Right. Or there's something wrong with you or you're broken in some way. Mm -hmm. And that's taken a lot of time for me to reverse that way of thinking. And even then, sometimes I'll be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm a therapist. So it's like it's a cultural <laughs> thing in a sense. Absolutely. Machismo, machismo. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we don't like to admit when we need help sometimes because I personally was raised, like, deal with your problems, mm -hmm. confront them, get over it, be strong for your family. And you can't always be. You just can't always be that person. And sometimes I think talking about it is the more difficult thing, and that takes more strength sometimes, yeah. considering how I was raised. You know, so oftentimes I, I try to have conversations with people about, like, hey, I know this is how we grew up. I know this is what it's been like in society when it comes to mental health and therapy. But everyone needs to talk to someone at some point, and that's exactly what it is. I'm not sitting here trying to pick your brain apart. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here just holding space for you to figure out what's going on in your life and how you're being affected by it. In a sense, like de decompressing, right? Exactly. Exactly. Just like a place where you're not going to be judged. I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. I'm not here. I'm, I'm here to challenge you. Absolutely. Um, I don't let my clients off that easy. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but... You know, I always tell them, like, I'll call you on your BS, you know, yeah. um, in, a, in the nicest way possible, I think. But, yeah, it's just a place where you can go and, and share things that maybe you not, might not be able to in other areas of your life. Okay. And then um, touching back with the, you being up, upbringing as a Chicana, when, mm -hmm. you're, when you told your dad that you're going to become a therapist, how do you take that? So my dad's actually really progressive. I think he was okay with me becoming a therapist. He was really encouraging of it. His problem was with me not getting a doctorate yeah. because I think there's this idea also in Latino families of if I'm an immigrant, I came here to work my butt off for you to have the best life that you can have. And I want you to do better than me. And my dad actually got his doctorate. So wow. he and he came from working in the fields. So in his mind, he's been through a lot and he's worked really hard to get to where he's at. And my siblings don't have a doctorate degree. Um my brother is an attorney like my dad, but he's the only one. 
And so I felt like I was kind of like his last hope. And so he was like, you need to have the highest level of education to be successful. And so um, the struggle there with him was me feeling like I wasn't doing enough by making that decision to get a master's degree, which now sounds ridiculous, (laughs) I think. (laughs) No, definitely not. No, no, definitely not. But in the moment, it was really hard. Hard. Yeah. Oh, wow. And um, so how was the big change come down from Riverside to San Diego State? Uh, that was a major change yeah. and actually impacted my mental health a lot. Um, so I love San Diego. I really loved being out here, but growing up Latina, I was really all about my family and being close to them. And I saw them like every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have that here. So that was really difficult. I think what took you out here just in general, like what, what made you come down to yeah. San Diego besides it's the American's finest city. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's only the best city in the <laughs> but world. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, I applied to two programs. One was Pepperdine and one was San Diego state and San Diego state was cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So my dad was like, you're going to SDSU. You, <laughs> you don't have a choice. And I was just like, I was like, no, I don't want to go. I'm too scared. <laughs> I'm like, I've never left Riverside. <laughs> yeah, but it's a big change, right? Exactly. I mean, like I could imagine Riverside wasn't as crazy as San Diego State Mm-mm. is, like as far as party-wise or just the social yeah. nightlife. Because what I hear about San Diego is like, it's you mm-hmm. could get lost and distracted real quick. Oh, absolutely. And graduate school is a little bit different because it's a different culture than undergrad. Like there aren't, a, there aren't fraternities or anything like that. It's pretty much get your work done and you're like there's a lot of stress because Mm -hmm. it's just a higher level of academics but um i mean san diego like everywhere you go there's a brewery you know (laughs) everywhere you turn there's a bar and so it's really easy to get distracted there's so many there's like the beach there's so many places to meet people and riverside is i mean it's the inland empire you know i love riverside but uh, you know, only people from Riverside can talk smack on Riverside. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it gets pretty hot up there, is there or is that wrong? No, it's like 110, 115 oh, during no, the summer. So yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't last out there for sure. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so you made a good choice. And mm-hmm. then after San Diego State, um, what was your first job? I mean, how- Yeah, uh, well, I worked with teenagers as a therapist, um, which was difficult. But I mean, I absolutely love working with teenagers. I got to be I got to see that like a lot of these kids they're not the problem their parents are the problem Mm. or how they grew up was the problem um them not having support or resources them growing up in low-income areas and feeling like they can only turn to gangs and things like that because that's who has their back that's what society is like projected onto them right yeah yeah I mean like they they tell them you know you you won't succeed and you're not set up to succeed so this is your only way out this is your only way to have family or support. Um, a lot of them don't have supportive parents or incarcerated parents that mm-hmm. can't support them. So I got to see that a lot of these kids are the ones that get into the most trouble at school, the ones that have trauma and want help, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to ask for They don't for know it. how to like reach out, right? And yeah, because that out. cultural part, that mm-hmm. cultural piece too, you know? So I kind of fell in love with working with that population in that way because... Uh, I like being the adult in their life yeah. that, you know, the one hears that, them out. The one that believes in them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's not that hard. A lot of these kids are really smart and they're really amazing. And um, from there, do you, do they come to you or you're the one that goes toward them? Uh, a lot of times, like, they get suspended and then that's how uh, they get so caught. They in the, the sus- referral. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because, like I said, most people do not want to go to therapy. Like you said, you know, there's something wrong with me. I don't need to talk to someone. Yeah. You know, I have my own outlets, music, sports, things like that, which... 
are amazing, but they can only do so much. They can only do so much. Exactly. Mm. And um, now, now that you're on the opposite side, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever see yourself like as a young high schooler being the person that to go talk to? You know, I when people ask me generally like why I became a therapist, my one of my longer answers is that a lot of people that are therapists have gone through their own stuff or they wish that they had someone like a therapist during mm-hmm. that time. And I look back at the time that I was in high school and I definitely feel like I needed someone to talk to. I definitely needed someone to lean on because I heard you need to be stronger. You need to do this yeah. and move on and move on, you know? And a lot of people don't believe how stressful it is for teenagers just in general. They think all you have to worry about is school, but they have very real issues that no one really helps them through. And I can, like for us growing up, it wasn't as bad as social media, right? Exactly. This whole social media thing is really bad. I mean, I, mm-hmm. It could be powerful and it could be really toxic. I mean, just like mm-hmm. this whole outspread of how people like spread stuff now. Exactly. Like um, I've seen kids get placed into a group chat on Instagram that they didn't have a choice to be a part of. And then they just get bullied in that group oh, chat wow. and they try to leave and then they get put back into it. Yeah. So little things like that, like I felt like we didn't have to deal with. Like, yeah, there was like MySpace, MySpace or top your top eight. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that was like music centered and stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really about in your self image, which as a high schooler is like the most difficult thing to figure out. I feel yeah. Like. And um, I guess how, how do you how do you like respond to that? Like this whole TikTok thing to it? Because I I'd be getting messages about like school closing down or, hey, there's some violence act that's going uh-huh. on like. What do you guys do as a facility? Yeah. Uh, like a facility? It's hard. It's honestly really hard to be in the position where these kids are exposed to traumatizing things. And like even active shooter drills are traumatizing. That's freaking scary. Yeah. yeah. I know. Ne- we never went no, through that when we were Earthquake younger. at most. I, I know. Earthquake, like get under the table and then, mm-hmm. and the then we're just alarm, like. That's it. Yeah. And the fire alarm goes off. We're like, yeah, we get to miss <laughs> 10 minutes of class. But these kids don't even know sometimes the drills like they're not told that it's a drill oh shit and it's it's very traumatic for them i think and then for teachers i think and the adult it's weird being the adult in the room and thinking you know uh oh i'm responsible responsible. for these kids you know i'm just as terrified as they are and i'm responsible for them um so it's really hard to respond to them a lot of them have accepted this as part of growing up and their culture and that sucks yeah it's normal to them yeah. you know um yeah there are school threats all the time like every week there's a threat to at least one school in san diego i think multiple schools probably some of them are true some of them are not but it's it's definitely and I, it's I, a traumatic experience for them i think like like for you as well i can mention mm-hmm. that's just stressed on top of you i mean making sure that you're doing the right thing right? yeah yeah that, that goes into, you know, me taking care of myself oh. so that I could be there to really process what they're going through with them. Holy hell. And then what else are you, like, doing on the side? Are you working anywhere else or? Yeah. Just, I think, I so I do a few different jobs. Most of them are just crisis response or, you know, uh, which is, you know, being there for someone on their worst day or individual therapy, which with adults now, I do it with adults now too, um, which I had mostly worked with kids in my first few years and now uh, working with adults, it's a lot different because adults have more power over their lives, I Mm -hmm. think. And so that's less stressful to me as a therapist because I could be sitting here with my client that's a teenager and like begging the parent to be involved and, hey, just pay attention to your kid. And this would solve their emotional issues, issues, you know. Um, 
and but you can't force a parent to be present you know but with an adult you can help empower them to make a change in their life i think and so the therapy process just looks a lot different. different absolutely and did you get to experience the therapies before covid and after yeah is yeah there, is there a huge differential yeah actually i was working with kids um right when covid hit and we had to move to zoom and i did not last in that job <laughs> <laughs> because i had like three-year-olds oh wow and that just does not make yeah, sense kids 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 don't last on computer they don't yeah. sit on for five minutes you know? yeah exactly i think i remember i had a kid that we were on the on the, <laughs> on zoom and i was like okay let's talk about let's watch this video on feelings you know trying to be all like yeah. hey look at this and she looks at me she goes i'm done now bye and just hangs <laughs> up on me and the parents know we're around right exactly and, and i was like all right i guess i mean i'm cool with having a five minute Holy session hell. but it was a lot yeah. more difficult for sure and then covid has created a lot of anxiety i think in people so you know like, more mental health issues so people that were already kind of like having anxiety issues about going out even meeting people and this just made it 10 times worse yeah yeah like think about it they someone that might already have social anxiety just add the layer of potentially having a life-threatening virus mm-hmm. impact you and your family it amplifies that anxiety and then I think it was a trauma that we went through as a society are still going through um, with how many people have passed away. You know, I've talked to even just friends, not even from a therapy level, but just friends that have, you know, never lost someone. And then suddenly because of a virus, it's they've lost someone and it's not a natural natural thing. Yeah, because their their family members are isolated. They don't have any access to them. Some of them didn't weren't able to even have a proper funeral for them. They're not able to hold their hand in their last seconds. You know, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult and anxiety provoking, I think. It sucks. And then like, mm-hmm. I could imagine like people, there's people like you that are living from different cities where families are separated. Like did anybody get mm-hmm. COVID that, you know? Yeah. My, so my sister actually got COVID really, really badly and she oh, was wow. in the hospital and that's kind of how I understand you know how people can really be going through it because there were moments where we did not hear a text back from her and we were not able to go just go to the hospital and visit her and you know she had conditions that put her at risk even more and i remember my dad just thinking you know are we going to see her again are we going to get a response from her where did she go did something serious happen why hasn't she texted back in 24 hours right um and meanwhile she's over there having panic attacks and struggling to breathe you know yeah so it's a very powerless feeling i think that a lot of people have gone through and human beings like having control yeah of course (laughs) i like having control (laughs) so yeah it's it's a situation that's out of your hands i think okay and when do you find that out work-life balance when do you do you ever like (laughs) stay around locally do you head up back up north What, what what's going on with you I think that's hard for me personally, um, but I have to be really intentional about how I spend my time, you know, doing things that I think will fulfill me. So maybe I'm not as present for my friends. I'm not as there for my family sometimes because there are days where I just have to shut down and just, okay, I really need to refill my cup. Like I need to just lay down with my dogs. Uh, my dogs are the main thing that <laughs> stress me out and bring a smile to my face. Uh, they're kids. Yeah, yeah, they're the worst. Um, but I think 
especially my older dog Benito. Um, he's a big fluffy dog. He is really good at being in tune with my emotions. And so whether it's walking him or laying with him or playing with him, um, that's the number one thing that helps bring me back. I think after a Mm -hmm. long day and then being with my friends and family, I do try to go up to Riverside as much as I can, but it's tiring when you work all the time and you're busy. You got your own things going on. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that, right? You don't, you're not mad at them. You're not like turning your back on them. You're just focused on yourself. Right. And I feel like sometimes people take that the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not the intention, right? And like, how how do, how would you go about like expressing that, having that confrontation? Cause you feel, I've been in situations where I kind of distance myself and there's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just with myself, I'm just focusing on myself and they just take it wrong. Like, Oh, you're Mr. Popular or, oh, you're, you're over there with your girl. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you don't, it's not even like, it's not even like that. It's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And you know, I think, so when I went through grad school, I went through a mental health struggle myself because I was changing as a person. I was becoming more emotionally aware. I was changing the way I talked to people and I was changing my boundaries in relationships. And I realized that a lot of my relationships were superficial and I'll be honest, a lot of those ended when I started to say, hey, I need time for myself. I'm sorry if I shut down or if I shut you out for a week, I need some space to spend with my partner or my, you know, my parents. And they would get upset. And then that was a decision that I had to make where it sucked. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that was even like a grieving process in itself when you're grieving friendships. Right. But I had to say you know what, this person is not respecting my values. They're not respecting my boundaries. Um, So maybe it's time to reevaluate the friendship. So it's been a few years of going through that and teasing some people out of my life. And it's been hard because I like to be liked. (laughs) I'm like a people pleaser for sure. So those are really uncomfortable conversations. But now I've reached a point in my life where the majority of my friends, if not all of them, are really, really understanding. Like I just came from a dinner where I was like, hey, I'm so sorry I bailed on you yesterday. (laughs) And she's a therapist too. And she's like, don't even sweat it. Just let me know. You need your time to decompress. You made it out today and I appreciate you for that. And so I think I've just had to really reevaluate my friendships and keep the people that are understanding of me needing that time close and others either keep them at an acquaintance level and there's no hard feelings. Exactly. We just have different needs in this friendship. So point being just be straight thorough with your communication, right? As, as mm-hmm. far as boundaries, which is hard. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah, I suck hard. at that. Because <laughs> yeah. being a people pleaser, like I am as well. You mm-hmm. mean like, I always got to be like, all right, let me just like, they're yeah. giving their time. I should at least give them some of my time. And it just yeah. never ending down though. Right? Exactly. Exactly. But then I end up just saying yes to everything. I end up tiring myself out and then I end up bailing on anyone anyway. And then what does that do for my relationship in the long run? Right. This person's a flake now. This person's this. So it's just not helpful to not have those conversations. So I've kind of had to force myself to. Yeah. And then having those animals at night, I seen that firsthand with my mom, like she was super attached to my dog. Like how mentally it helps out a lot. Mm -hmm. But can it also add stress? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I think so. I, I'm very impulsive. <laughs> yeah. And I got a kitten recently and she's just been like, lit- I've never had a cat. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a cat person. I don't know why I got the cat. And how'd that come out? She's like a little dog. So she's like the probably the, as far as cats go, the best I could have gotten. But she knocks everything over. She creates a lot of stress in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so luckily my, my boyfriend's really uh, 
patient <laughs> with me and them. But I mean, he just called me today and was like, we're getting rid of the cat. She knocked more stuff over. Oh, hell no. It's only like breaking stuff. We're like breaking vases and like digging Ooh. up my dirt from my plants and oh, just like. Digging dirt? What? Yeah, she's the worst. <laughs> she's the worst. Hanging from the doors. Like she's just, she's a nightmare. But oh but when they're good, they're good. They're good. You know? Yeah. So I just know that I have to just tire them out with playing with them or something. And then you get your own exercise in there from there. Yeah, okay. exactly. So from you, what's next? Like what's your next step? That you see yourself going do you see yourself going back into school do you see yourself just focusing on your career path uh, mm -hmm. or opening up your own practice right? practice practice mm -hmm. let's, let's see yeah <laughs> <laughs> um that's a good question i've had like a like plans you know but of course life gets in the way of those sometimes like my like i said um i struggled with my mental health as well and there are times where i want to do more and i simply just can't because my cup is empty and I just can't give more. Um, so right now I just obtained a job that I really, really love. And that has been a goal of mine for a really long time. So I'm really excited about that. But so that's, I'm good for now. Um, but I think maybe hopefully becoming a clinical supervisor, it's like supervising other therapists in the future. Um, a lot of clients have asked me, when are you going to open your own practice? We want to see you um, privately, you know, but uh, one thing that has always been a part of my values as a therapist, not just as a person, but as a therapist, have been to serve people that wouldn't be served if I wasn't there. Mm. So, you know, um, private practice, therapy is expensive. Oh, yeah. Uh, or if you don't have insurance, it's like 100 to $200 per a session. Hour. Yeah, an hour. So, I mean, who can afford that? I can't even afford that. So... I have never really wanted to work with a population that's privileged. I want to work with people that don't have access to therapy, you know? So, so private practice is not something that I think I would do. So it's, it's kind of like a conflict because you do want to reach out, but at the same time, it's like covering your own expenses and needs of running the purchase. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I would have to charge people a lot of money for these sessions. And I know some of my clients would pay it, but I just don't feel right yeah, doing yeah. that. I'd rather work for a program where they get that for Resources, free. Resources, yeah. Yeah, they get it for free or they get it through their insurance and I can be a part of that system. And have you ever thought about like any alternatives to try to like lower down the prices, anything else? Or yeah, is, is there any way beating around that bush or you can't really? I mean, I think this is like a dilemma too, right? Yeah. Um, I could lower the prices and I would fill up very quickly, I think because low-cost therapy is very much a need for everyone, especially right now in these times, right? Yeah. Um, but I'd also be shortchanging myself, I think. And San Diego is not a cheap place no, to live in, yeah. right? So that's kind of like a double, like two things that I got to keep in mind, right? I have to balance it. Do I want to, you know, provide this service for a, like a less amount of money? Um but you're working twice as much and yeah. hard, like stressed out as much. Yeah, and then financially it just would not be feasible, you know. Um, so I think for now it's easier to just work for okay. people. And I suck at business. I suck at math. I suck at all that. <laughs> Props to everyone that can do it. I can. Oh, boy. Yeah. And like I guess how's that been like with having your partner? Like has it been additional help or... 
because relationships could be freaking yeah <laughs> could be a walk in the park and, or they could be a walk through hell but you know I mean not, yeah. not, not, there's nothing wrong with that you know I mean yeah, but like yeah. i guess like you got to find that right person yeah i will say that i need someone that is patient with me because part of being a therapist and i i mean not just a therapist but i consider myself a very passionate person i really i'm really passionate about the work that i do um so I'm really invested in my clients. And when I hear something hard or when I see something hard, it's, it's pretty devastating. You know, a lot of people don't realize that therapists are super affected and invested. You know, when we say goodbye to a client, I grieve them, you know. Yeah. Um, I see, I've seen people like every day, every week for a year, sometimes twice a week for a year, and then suddenly they're gone out of my life, right? And yes, it's a professional relationship, but it's hard. And like, I think that when people bring certain things into the room too, we feel what they feel. Yeah. We're very empathetic people as therapists sometimes, and that can emotionally emotionally be tough on my relationship when I come home. But I think that's a human nature. I mean, I, I don't think you can mm -hmm. cut your emotions off to someone's story. I mean, no matter how professional you can be, like mm -hmm. I still feel like no matter what, you're going to hear and feel whatever they're feeling. Right? Exactly, especially if someone's going into something that traumatic that happened to them, and even more so if it's like a sore spot for me personally because I've been through what they've been through or I've been... I can relate to what they're feeling, right? That makes it even more difficult. So my partner is really, really respectful of me needing that time, me needing that space. Um, he's really awesome at picking up, you know, the slack when I just simply don't have the emotional energy to do anything. I will say I'm kind of a pain <laughs> to deal with on mm -hmm. those days because there are some days where I don't even know how to deal with it myself. And I'm coming home and I'm irritable and I'm lashing out at him. And so it's really, it's hard. And it's a lot of really tough conversations sometimes. Um, and me figuring out, okay, am I projecting onto this person? How can I, it's a lot of reflection, yeah. right? Like how can I, what could I have done better? Mm -hmm. Or how, how could I handle it better? Yeah. How can I communicate to him? Hey, I don't even know how to deal with me right now. I'm going to go decompress in the shower for like 20 <laughs> minutes and then I want to watch a movie and not talk or and then I'd like to come and just talk about my day if that's OK with you, because he's a human, too, and he's allowed to have bad days, too. It's not just about him being there for me. Right. Yeah. And that can be hard when I have an emotionally heavy day. But see, that that's what's awesome, because that sounds like you really care about your partner. Yeah. You know I mean, because you're actually considering how you lashed out. Yeah. Or portrayed yourself towards him. Some people are just like, eh, deal with it or you're not. Yeah. And that's just there's no way that that's sustainable in a relationship i feel like and you know i deal with relationships all day i deal with emotions all day every day mm -hmm. sometimes six days a week <laughs> i can't come home to have more of that yeah. you know so i need to be very clear and he's got to work with me and meet me halfway too to be able to have a healthy space because my home is where i decompress that's my safe place yeah you know because work is an emotional roller coaster sometimes so I need to come home and feel calm and at peace. And he is part of that. He contributes to that. And so we have to be on the same page. Okay. And this doesn't go out for the viewers out here that may have questions. Um, mm -hmm. What advice would you give one relationship that is struggling yeah. in that mm -hmm. understanding of each other's communication of respect and boundaries or, hey, yeah. I need some time or, hey, you need some time or, hey, we spend too much time together or we don't spend too much time together. Yeah. Honestly, Every relationship's different. Every yeah. person's different. Not everybody is going to be aware of how to take someone's boundaries. Um, I've had relationships end because my boundaries weren't respected, you know? And so 
I would, what I always tell my clients is take a look at your values, figure out what those are. Literally Google a list of values and figure out what those are and figure out how you're living by them every day. And if this person doesn't have the same values or doesn't respect your values, um, you got to reevaluate if that's the right person for you, right? Because Mm -hmm. your boundaries protect your values, right? If I say I value my relationship and my family and I'm coming home to them, but I'm working 12 hours a day, am I really setting boundaries at work Mm -hmm. so that I can value my family? No, right? I need to set boundaries at work so that I can value my family and come home at night and spend time with them, right? So I think sometimes we lose sight of that, especially in our relationships, if we really care about someone, um kind of oh it's okay maybe i could give in a little and a little and then a little becomes a lot and then you're just exactly you lost, you lost yourself right exactly and and you've lost yourself in that relationship so ask yourself does this person respect my boundaries and are they willing to work with me on creating boundaries within this relationship um i'm someone for example i'm someone that really really is like i'm like a chicle like i'm like a glue with my boyfriend i'm <laughs> like hey let's hang out let's do this let's do that <laughs> same here yeah yeah and yeah. he's like I need to go spend time for myself. And I'm like, do you mean you hate me? And he's like, no, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, I need to go spend a day fishing with myself or something. Mm-hmm. And so even though I'm not used to that boundary, I have to be like, all right, this isn't about me. Yadira, the world doesn't revolve around you, even if you think it does. <laughs> um, and so I have to respect that he needs a day to himself. And that was new for me. And I had some growing pains, right? And he had to remind me, hey, remember when I told you that I value time by myself? It doesn't mean anything about you. It just means I need my independence. And this is my boundary. I want to spend one day a week on my own. Hey, remember when I said that? Yadira, are you cool with me doing that? And then I'm like, okay, yes. Yeah, he, he did mention it in the beginning, right? He right, set that right, boundary right there. Right, establish it. And then later on, you can revisit it. Mm-hmm. And if it's still being pushed, then ask yourself, is this a relationship that's healthy for me? Does he respect what I feel or yeah. she respect what I feel? Yeah, and I think that's the foundation of every relationship. I've even had that question in friendships. And then you can grow from there. And the second piece, I think, is that a lot of people think that couples therapy is for people that are going through relationship issues. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. I've literally sat with a couple, even though I don't like couples therapy. (laughs) It's the hardest kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, I've sat with a couple where they're like, hey, we're brand new and we're getting to know each other. And we want to figure out if this this is working, if this is worthwhile. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. (laughs) Right. And I thought that was really beautiful because it's like you're using the therapy process to learn how to be vulnerable with each other to set a strong foundation for the future. Oh, because because that could either either make the relationship or break it at that same time, right? Yeah, kind of, right? Yeah, why wait ten years in? Figure it out a month in. <laughs> but then I'm biased. I'm a therapist, so I'm mm-hmm. like everybody go to therapy. Um, and it can also be used for like if you're feeling like, hey, I'm struggling with this, and I don't know if this is the right relationship. Or, and you have a child together, for example, how can you move from being in a romantic relationship to a healthy co-parenting relationship? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you can go to therapy to have a healthy divorce or a healthy separation. And a lot of people don't view it that way. I'm learning a lot of things right now. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And, like, figure out how to co-parent or, like, I've even heard of people deciding, hey, we want to open up our relationship. Ah. Let's let's talk about this in therapy so that we can create boundaries and rules around this and make sure that we have the foundation for it. And it's like, great, that's amazing. So you can get creative with the reasons why you go to therapy. So, I mean, I, this may be uh, 
what's the word? You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you've heard some crazy stories and mm-hmm. like where you're like blown back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, are you talking about like relationships, individuals, or just in general? I guess just in general right now, I'm like so wrapping my head around with everything that you got talking about. <laughs> Holy it's hell. It's a lot. I yeah, know. it's a lot. It's a lot. But I guess for somebody that is coming out of high school or somebody that's in their 20s, their 30s, their mm-hmm. 40s, whoever is listening to this podcast and they want to continue education and therapy, what would something you wish you would have known in the beginning that now mm-hmm. you know now? I mean, I wish I would have known what therapy really was. I wish I would have known that um, it's accessible, it's out there, and if you're curious to know what it is, go. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you, uh, and there's you can really build some strong relationships and therapists are human beings too we have lives we're funny (laughs) you know therapy can be really fun sometimes and i wish i knew that it didn't it it, you could be yourself in the therapy room like i i go in there sometimes i talk about tattoos with my clients i talk about alt music i've sat there just like playing music an entire therapy session and that was the therapy i've done art with people we've literally i've gone to the park on a walk with it during a therapy session so it's what you make it and it's really a profession where you have a lot of freedom to make it your own and to be really special in your profession and stand out and that's what your clients will love about you and remember about you and and how rewarding it is to have someone come and tell you you've changed my life or you've changed my perspective um because there's, I mean, to me, there's no better feeling of knowing that I've had an impact. Mm-hmm. That, to me, to impact others in a positive way, to me, is being successful. And so it's just it's just so rewarding. And it doesn't always have to be about tests, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> Like academic stuff. So not all therapists are the same therapist. No. Mm-hmm. No. So many therapists are so different. And I think also, like, your grades don't have to be perfect. You know, I was, like I said, I was told you will never graduate from UCR with a degree in psychology because your GPA is too low. And I was like, I sat there and I had like a breakdown and I was just like, what am I going to do with my life? And then I got to graduate school and they didn't even really care about some, some do care about Mm -hmm. it, but the program that I've picked was social justice oriented. They were more interested in what I brought to the table as a human being and in my diversity as a person and how I can communicate that to other people and impact them. And they accepted me solely on that. And so, Wait, um, yeah. let, me, let me ask you, was it a written, like written formal essay no. to get in or how? So, yeah, I had a written formal essay that I got proofread, but mm-hmm. I also had a four minute video that I had to turn in. And then I had a four hour interview that looked very different. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought you just yeah. submitted your application and that was it. Mm-mm. No. Mm. Yeah. They only accepted 27 of us. Oh, wow. So that year. So, um, it was really about how you were in person, your passion and what you care about in life and the impact you want to make. And so if I would have known that before, I think it would have saved me a lot of tears and a lot of like negative thoughts about yeah. myself, you know? So that's what I would want people to know. It's not always about academics. Okay. And what about one thing that you don't like about therapy or being a uh, physical therapist? Me- mental health therapist? M- mental health therapist. <laughs> I wish I could be a physical therapist. I suck at anatomy. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, One thing I don't like is that therapists are very overworked and underpaid in general. 
um yeah the pay sometimes is not a livable wage like you in the city of san diego if you're not licensed as a therapist and you're working towards your licensure there's no way that you could pay for a place on your own it's uh. it's really hard um and it's a lot of emotional work it's a lot of investment and sometimes the reward emotionally is what keeps you in it and yeah it's it's a lot of people get really undervalued and burned out because the compensation is sometimes not enough and is there any way to bring up the constipation um i think most therapists do two to three things at a time it's very rare to find a therapist that only works one job a lot of them do something on the side. Uh, I know even a therapist that like works at Starbucks on the side. Uh, get out of here. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with no, that. No, but I mean, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. San Diego, it, it is expensive. Just overall inflation is mm -hmm. going crazy. Yeah. But you would think like you went to school for this. Yeah. You invested time. You would think that you would be compensated for that amount. But just like the, the field of social work in general, because there's stigma and there's just like, they're just not, therapists are not valued or seen as important, even in school. They call it a soft science, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's it's just, there's not a lot of value, I think, sometimes placed on that field. And to me, I think that's crazy because, like, mental health is a huge thing. I mean, whether going down to, like, what recently happened with BLM and now Black Lives Matter. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, these cops, like, mm -hmm. all these anxieties that they're feeling or people mm -hmm. with COVID yeah. or domestic violence, in a sense, like, they're just going through everything and you get... Wow, mm -hmm. that's very shocking because you guys yeah. play a very influential role in the world, just like teachers. Yeah, yeah. And there, I mean, there are some therapists out of school that are making $25 an hour. And it's like you just went through six years of schooling for, and 25 is is a good amount. But for you, you, look at, you look at someone that came out for engineering or computer science with two less years of schooling. And I'm not saying one is better than the other or mm -hmm. one needs to be valued more than the other. It's just, um, it's not a livable wage considering the education, I think. Um, so, and, and it is it is really necessary. I think it's really needed, but that yeah. goes back into the stigma too. A lot of people will say, yeah, I really support you go to therapy, but they themselves won't go, right? Mm -hmm. I myself have been through like five different therapists because I was just like, you know, ah, it's a lot of hard work. I don't want to go through it. And I am a therapist. So, mm -hmm. um I can only imagine someone that doesn't know a therapist or someone that has no idea what therapy really is like. I've had clients tell me I never would have come here unless I was forced because sometimes I see clients yeah. that are mandated and they were like, and I love this. And I tell everybody that I, that they should go, but they didn't know what it was like. They only know now because they were forced to yeah. go. And I think that goes back into like the social image. Oh, you go to therapy. There's something wrong with you. Absolutely. You're broken in some way. Mm -hmm. Right. And we all deal with things. I mean, literally, we all have relationships. We all experience anxiety to some level, even depression to some level, mm -hmm. right? I think nine out of 10 people that I've met have gone through a depression in their life, including myself. And it's just not talked about. And one thing for people that are depressed, what's like the one thing that you tell them like, hey, this yeah. is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't like seek, seek out? Yeah, I think go to therapy, get services. You don't need medication, but you can, some people do, you know, be open, be, just be open to things that could help because there's always someone out there that's willing to listen. You just have to find them sometimes, right? And you have to open yourself up, which is 
the biggest hurdle because that means you have to be vulnerable and vulnerability is the scariest thing. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think it's terrifying to put yourself out there and then have the possibility of being shut down or not connecting with someone and, you know, just also realizing that just because you don't connect with one therapist or just because you had a bad experience with one therapist does not mean that every therapist is like that. I had so many kids that were like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you because they had bad experiences. And then they were like, oh, you're not half bad. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm cool as hell. I'm like, I'm cool as You know? Yeah. Um, and then their image of therapy has now changed, you know, because they have someone that's willing to put in the work. But just like, Everyone can think of their least favorite teacher. Everyone can think of their favorite teacher, mm -hmm. right? But you st you still stayed in school because you had to, you exactly. know? You put in the work to be successful later. And it's the same way when it comes to, it's the same thing when it comes to your mental health. Oh, wow. Okay. I feel... That was my therapist spiel. No, yeah, I feel <laughs> like mind blown. Well, that's yeah. pretty much it for tonight. You yeah. Unless you want to come on for another time and go get more in depth, but... Wow. Yeah, if anyone has questions, I'll come up and do like a No, definitely. <laughs> I guess, um, let me just ask you this. Is there any sites that people that aren't afraid of speaking out or like don't want that social like judgment yeah. where, where they can find information about therapy or any yeah. helpful sites that you know of? Yeah. Um, NAMI, N-A-M-I, is a really great resource for all kinds of mental health in the area. There's the Access and Crisis Line. Um, just literally Google Access and Crisis Line, ACL. Um, there's psychologytoday.com. Psychology Today has literally a list of group therapy, individual therapy, psychiatrists, all within your area, and you can use filters based on insurance, no insurance, LGBT-friendly, person of color, Spanish-speaking, any kind of filter to find a therapist that meets your needs or, like, therapist shop, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know... There's obviously a suicide hotline and things like that. There are also text lines that you, if you don't want to call someone, you can text. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and 211, I think, is the absolute easiest. You literally, I even call 211. You just press 211 and then you say, hey, I need a therapist in San Diego that takes this insurance or that doesn't, that, you know, has, you know, uh, a low cost because I don't have insurance. Yeah. Um, and that is Spanish speaking or that is Latina or whatever has whatever a specialty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they will give you a list of therapists in your area or programs in your area that you can access. So it's everywhere. You just got to find it. I will say, do not just get discouraged because right now there are huge wait lines for everywhere. Mm -hmm. Therapists everywhere are burned out and very overwhelmed because like we just talked about earlier, mental health is massive yes. right now. Everybody has been impacted. And so um, you might have to make a few calls. But like I said, there's always someone out there. You just have to be willing to put in a little bit of work. work. Yeah, to, to find them. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, guys, you guys matter, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No matter what. Absolutely. Everyone does. And like I said, everyone's been through something. And so don't feel afraid to reach out and to share your story with someone because I guarantee you there's someone out there that can relate or that's experienced it. And like I said, just because someone has a couple jobs or has been through school and things like that and seems like their life is together, they might not always be. I myself said, like, I work in mental health. I should know. I hate that word, should. But um, to know how to deal with some of these things. But even I sometimes suffer with my mental health. Everyone does. So... 
just know you're kicking ass. Thanks. You are <laughs> kicking ass. I mean, thank you, for, thank you for what you do. Thanks. Honestly, I mean, you help out a lot of people, and you actually help me out in certain things. Good, but I'm then, glad. Yeah, but I mean, thank you, thank you for coming out again. Of course, we're all done.